0: men who can name every member of the president's cabinet, but cannot name any of Sergeant Fury's howling commandos. There are men who no longer own a button that says Howard the Duck for president. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. two men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men.
1: Grown-ass men.
0: Born to be Earth's man of the future, then forced to abandon his native planet because of his alien ways, he wanders the stars seeking life. Gifted with ultra-strength, paranormal reflexes and perceptions, the power of levitation and the curse of a vampire soul gem, he stands uniquely alone among the heavens. Stan Lee presents the power of Adam Warlock.
1: Hey everybody, this is... uh podcast five and we're going to talk about warlock and jim starlin and thanos and i think i liked it because he had the same name as me (laughs) i never (coughs) called myself adam warlock though but it would have been good here's another early editor's note it is really podcast six i think i discovered uh this book because i was really into jim starlin and like i've said or at least hinted at in previous podcasts, that I was very art-driven. So if I was into the artist, I would check out the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was also into characters, too, but I really got into art. And I discovered those books, and then I somehow must have went to some comic book store and picked up a few old issues. I wasn't buying books when they came out in, yet in the early 70s. But like 75 you were, Yeah. Right? definitely mm. 75 76 77 I was deep into buying books yeah. and uh, I was the art is fantastic I just both of us we just reread the complete collection of Warlock
0: we did we both went through all the Starlin issues of Warlock which is not the entire run Warlock had a kind of a checkered uh history he yeah. was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, Kirby. and yeah. in a Fantastic Four issue, right? Yeah. And then he appeared as a minor character in other books fighting under a different name. He was called Him. Yeah, it was called Him. And he would fight Thor or he would fight the Fantastic Four or somebody else. And then eventually he became Warlock. He got his own uh, series in, what, Amazing Adventures?
1: No, no. It was... Um, I think he...
0: Marvel Premiere?
1: No, Strange Tales. Strange Tales, okay. I think there's Warlock 1 through 8, called The Power of Warlock.
0: Okay, yes. And I
1: think that was Roy Thomas and Gil Kane, and it got... Roy Thomas had based the character on Jesus Christ Superstar. Right,
0: he was really into the movie Jesus Christ Superstar at the time, and he gave Warlock a lot of those attributes, right down to he had Warlock resurrected and he had disciples. Right. And so he he really was Christ-like in a lot of ways. And he also had the um, thunderbolt on his chest just like Shazam. uh, Ah. Because Shazam had not been around for uh, 20 years. Nobody thought that Mm, Shazam was necessarily coming back. Wow! So they gave him, they thought, well, we'll steal that thing. (laughs) That's
1: right. But I think like a lot of those lesser books in popularity the artists and the authors would get switched over and i think the books lost steam so then i think that starlin had an idea that he would resurrect the character and they took it over in strange tales
0: but when um jim starlin took over warlock he really took him in a different direction he made him this much more
1: psychopath and suicidal maniac in a way, and very existential
0: and uh, cosmic. Everything was so cosmic with right. uh, Warlock, and I have to say, not the kind of comics that I really liked to read when I was a kid. Right. I was into the, all the characters that were really based in New York City, the mm. ones that were swinging around or you know f- working in the Baxter Building or they an Avengers Mansion. Right. Like I liked all those sort of earthbound, but Warlock could be anywhere and do anything. And at one point in these stories he becomes so huge that the solar system is like could fit into his belt or something. It's just like you know, all kinds (laughs) of things happen and it goes through black holes and
1: Yeah. He was in the military, by the way. Jim Starlin or Warlock? (laughs) I don't know if Warlock could possibly have been (laughs) obedient enough to be in the military, but no, Jim Starlin was in the military, which I thought was interesting because I'm wondering he was in there probably Vietnam period, and I'm just it just seems so psychedelic driven, like LSD driven. It's a very druggy yeah.
0: comic, yeah. And I think you were saying that one of your favorite parts is the trial that he goes through, <laughs> right?
1: The amazing trial where he's on trial in front of this court, and he's uh, given an attorney, and his, the attorney is only an eyeball. I thought that was just so unbelievable. And he questions the judge, you know, like, how could I have only an eyeball? And the the judge is like, that's irrelevant.
0: (laughs) It's very um, interesting to me that Warlock always takes on, at least in the Starlin version, these bigger issues. He's teaching people that they have to learn to lead themselves. He won't be a leader to these people. They have to do it themselves. And life is pain and... What's my purpose in
1: life? You know, what am I doing here? Right. What am What is my real purpose? And and also he, basically, his future self destroys the universe. Right. And he has to go confront his future self. It's completely... You know what's funny about it? It's not so funny to be talking about it now as grown-ass men. But, like, to be reading that stuff when you're 12 or 13, it's pretty far out. It's totally far out. And it, it reminds me of something, I think Walter
0: Mosley wrote a book, he wrote something about the Fantastic Four and how much he loved the first issue of the Fantastic Four Mm. and his theory about why he loved it so much when he was a kid is that he was smaller and the book was proportionally bigger to him. Oh, wow. he would lie down on the floor and he would look at it and he could lose himself in a panel.
1: Mm. And so
0: he actually published a version of Fantastic Four number one where each panel took up an entire page so that you could see the whole book that way and in a way like that's the same thing with Warlock only not visually but it's like the ideas you're getting exposed to when you're a kid that you just have no context for or I didn't anyway I think
1: I had more context for it because a lot of my uh, relatives were hippies they were older than me, so I was being exposed to a lot of, you know, psychedelic music uh-huh. very early on. I mean, I remember that my cousin gave me, you know, Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles, like, I don't know, I Must Be Five, mm-hmm. and gave me the art and, it's cre- and the lyrics, and I'm I was so deep into that music you know but for me that was normal music kids now will grow up on like kids music first you know like back then like psychedelic imagery and music was that was normal
0: Things that are now uh, a big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're maybe not created by Starlin in these books, but he's really making them into into something more. And they're now part of the very conventional lore of Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers. You know, the, the Infinity Gauntlet and the gems and right. Thanos and Gamora... Uh, who's a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, right. all these things are, you know, in in here, and now they're, you know, they're in the multiplex.
1: Right, yeah. Well, he, I read a little bit of interviews, and he was like, couldn't believe that, like, Thanos has that cameo at the end of Avengers. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, these are characters that he just made up. He feels really close to these characters because he kept revisiting them all the time. But the people like us who read those books are in charge of these movies now.
0: And, you know, I'm looking at the first appearance in this series anyway of Thanos, which is at the end of Warlock issue 9. I assure you, Thanos is such an element. I had hoped to avoid personal involvement in this affair, but, you know, and here he is. And he just, he doesn't really look, like I always think of Thanos as being this, you know, Celestial, dangerous, omnipotent character, but he just looks like a jackbooted thug here. He looks like Edie Amin or something. He looks like a, like a, like a, (laughs) some you know really embarrassing, awful Nazi guard.
1: But he, you know, got a
0: weird chin. He
1: basically associates himself with death all the time. Yeah, and the Magus is trying to destroy the universe, but Thanos destroys him. He's like very pragmatic. Yeah, you know, he's a madman killer, but he has like logic behind it right in the
0: first issue here of warlock uh of the first Starlin issue i really remember this very clearly uh there's a a female astronaut who's being chased across a barren wasteland of a planet and she falls at warlock's feet and he's gonna help her and boy i drew this costume a lot I remember this, <laughs> and I would, you know, sketch this myself at right. home. Like I remember, like all the seams on her, uh, on her jumpsuit. Like, right. I would draw just like that. Like the the way he, this artist, um, puts things together is really inspiring. It's detailed in a way that's really beautiful. And I mean, he's really talented. He he's he, incredible. He focuses your attention on simple things like the look of warlock himself and yet the the panels are also very busy you know there's all this all these planets and stars and the girl and the monsters
1: and everything like that it's very modern like in the way that I guess Jim Steranko pushed everything into this very modern-esque look yeah I and mean, he's also very influenced by Kirby, clearly. And Pip the Troll is Kirby. <laughs> and by and by Ditko. Like I look at a lot of these very gritted out panels right, of faces right.
0: and and repetition of faces and things like
1: that. But it just reminded me, you know, the Warlock saga ends in Marvel Two and One Annual and Avengers Annual Seven, uh-huh. I think. The reason that that happened, one of the reasons was is that they Marvel ran out of paper. Really. There was, Why? there was a paper shortage. So, like, Luke Cage ended and, like, some other books ended. Not because they weren't selling so well, but there was no paper. Oh,
0: man. Of course it's Luke Cage who has to end because <laughs> oh, of the paper man. shortage, not Daredevil.
1: Right, right. I mean, when you think about Luke Cage, like, so gritty, down to earth. I mean, as crazy as he ever gets is that he hangs out with Iron Fist. <laughs> But like, compare that to this. To you know, it's just so, so, so different. It's completely different. He has such a large um, scope of things he's trying to put into a comic.
0: Well, also, I read that Roy Thomas, who was one of the original people who played around with Warlock, uh, wanted Warlock to live in his own world. He wanted to live him to live in on his own earth, in his own universe. And Stan Lee said, nope, they all live in the same universe. Right. Warlock, Thor, Iron Man, they all live in the same universe together. And so you have to make that work. And so they did. They ended up you know, having them sort of cross over and be characters in each other's comics. Uh, but Jim Starlin doesn't care about that at all. Jim Starlin is just like, nope, he's off in space. hes I'm going to invent a troll and clowns. And There's one point where you get this kind of intergalactic asparagus but he's he's like he's also a mine owner like he's a you know like an evil coal mine owner yeah and so there's
1: a union thing involved but he's a big asparagus and you know i don't know i i I just i like it's very anti-religion it's very anti-government you know it's like satirizing right
0: out and says all that stuff it comes right out and criticizes government and religion and and mob rule like it comes out and talks about social issues
1: yeah i really like that i think i liked it as a kid because i was just i identified with the rebellion i didn't have any context to it when i was a kid i just liked to rebel and i should say that i tried to contact jim starlin to see if he would uh Possibly uh, grant us a phone quick phone interview. But... We would
0: still love to talk to you, Jim. Yeah, we Jim,
1: you. we want to talk to you, man. We we know you're busy. You know what's also incredible is that he, you know a lot of the stuff he did the writing, he did the artwork, he did the inking. Yeah, he did everything himself. Yeah. Apparently, he was starting to have like a breakdown a little bit because it was just too much, too much work. Yeah. I, you I mean,
0: you can feel it. Like he's really putting his soul into every issue you know there's no slacking off like every panel is incredibly detailed and labored over feels like
1: i don't know you know i guess it's just certain things that you can't like say why you're so drawn to it but there's something about the artwork that i'm just completely mesmerized by he's really big for me and i read a lot of his other books later on even like I think there was Dreadstar was on the epic line. Uh-huh. And that was even crazy cosmic military stuff that I was... I'd never spent the time to get into that, but I loved the art so much.
0: So there are two books uh, that you can get. One is a compendium of the Starlin Issues and then there's another one that's a compendium of all the Roy Thomas Gil Kane issues, which came before this. Oh, and they're, they're interesting in their own. Right. I'd like to read those. Yeah, I they're mean, they're much more grounded on earth and they're much more sort of conventional, uh, much more conventional stories than than these. But the, it's Gil Kane, so that artwork is also beautiful in its in its own way.
1: Yeah, he was never one of my favorites, but Gil Kane can. Do so much in action in his stuff. Yeah. For some reason, I never. There was always something a little bit, you know. But like, well, these are things you can't describe why. Yeah. You know, there's just something about his work that never flipped me out. And he did a lot of classic Spider-Man's. I love
0: Gil Kane. I, I loved a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, it depend who inked it for me, but <laughs> friends, what could you say about Warlock if you want to go into a completely far out universe? You know, come join us and read the Warlock, yes. in your books and see what you think. Please, okay,
0: please or or you know, don't. <laughs> you could <know, laughs> just you could just enjoy uh, us sort of describing it to you and right. You we're doing it for you. Go know? on with your lives.
1: I don't know. I think they should enter the world with us. What What do you got to lose? But uh, all right, good. All right. I think I hear chicken cooking. I
0: think this is some chicken cooking. We're going to go have chicken. And, uh, and uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Grown Ass Men.
1: Grown Ass Men, my friends. Grown Ass Men.